Hi, everybody. I'm Mace, your host for the Mad Mortgage Show, your source for no BS mortgage discussion. Today, I am joined by Stephanie Durflinger of Ice Mortgage Technology. She is the Senior Vice President of Product Management. Um, so let's go back to 2007, um, where you were almost seven years at PC Lender as the SVP of Product Management there. Then you were at Ellie May known as Ellie May at the time, as VP of product management for just over five years. And then you went to Sagent for a bit, uh, just a year it looks like, and you were the EVP chief product officer. And now you're back at, well, now it's ICE, right. um, <laughs> since September of 2020. So um, I think it's safe to say that you're a mortgage nerd. I think it's safe to say I am. What's kind of funny is that uh, what I do traverses technology and the business, so if I'm in a room full of mortgage people, I'm the tech nerd. And if I'm a room full of technical people, I'm the business nerd. So I think the only common theme there is the nerd. The nerd part? I got that down. I like that. Yeah. I like it both. Um, have, um, so at ICE, have you had lenders reaching out to you as your LOS for um, help in this um, shitty mortgage market? <laughs> <laughs> the The... Lower volumes, increasing rates, lots of concerns. Um, do you see people um, reaching out to ICE right now? Absolutely. They're wanting to know how they can board new types of products. You know, everybody's concerned about volume, of course. And so HELOCs are coming up, especially with the interest rates rising. Those are becoming a little bit more, well, not a little bit more, a lot more, you know, out there. And then closed in seconds, we see that coming as well. Uh, we anticipate more non-conforming coming, but we haven't really seen that yet. Uh, so definitely for product support, and fortunately we have that support. So it's mostly just helping them take advantage of what they already have, and then the other piece that they're looking to do is, of course, reduce the costs, so they can make the most off of what they do manufacture. And so both of those things are top of mind. Market share and then reducing costs. That's Absolutely. really really all we have. That's it. So how is technology going to, or I guess from an ICE perspective, how is technology going to help them with the challenges they're facing right now? On the, on the product support side, the LOS already supports the product, so you don't have too much there. I think uh, one of the interesting things I'm hearing a lot is the change, the shift in how a HELOC is uh, manufactured, meaning that uh, there's lenders out there that don't want to take a mortgage approach with the HELOC. They'd rather take more of a consumer loan type of approach in how the borrower engages with the technology. And so there's some differences that are impactful with that. And the technology can definitely help if you start to use some of the automated processes there. You can get to a state where you don't have a traditional three, four, five-week period uh, to generate a HELOC. And I think that's going to be important for the lenders to make that as timely as they possibly can. So that's one. And then the second is you know using the automation. I think that it continues to be the theme uh, surrounding how you can reduce the time and cost to originate any loan with the system. So two things I want to take there mm -hmm. on HELOCs. Yes. Do you see ICE ever trying to be like, take that interim servicing screen and be more of the servicing of the HELOC or is that kind of not your wheelhouse yet? It's not yet our wheelhouse. It's not a plan for Encompass currently. Uh, whether it's a plan for, you know, future state, maybe it's an option, um, but not something that we have tactically ready to, you know, bring out to the customer base in the next year or so. Okay. So then I get to ask you another question. I'm going to give you two words and I want you to respond. <laughs> I know what's coming. Black Knight. I've heard of them. Okay. They're fantastic. 
That's what we're getting today? I get it. Okay. I like it. It's safe. It's safe. Um, so we mentioned the non-QM products that we're, we're starting to see. I think it, it's something that doesn't show up too much on your like, kind of like you're not really seeing if it's coming through yet from a product not standpoint. Not tactically. Right. Right. I, I typically think of Encompass as make sure the loan is QM. And that was kind of a lot of what Encompass was helping you do. Do you see a lot of the automation, you know, like automated underwriting being hindered by these non-QM products and the more difficult underwritings and the bank statement loans. And, you know, does that, do you see that being more difficult or? I don't think it's more difficult. I think it's just a different take. Um, so, you know, I can understand why you consider Encompass and uh, making sure that you have a QM mortgage because we're compliance heavy, mm-hmm. right? Um, on purpose. And that's one of the values that we bring. It's kind of the table stakes for why you choose Encompass is you're going to be compliant. Increase profit margins and, and reduce losses. Time and cost. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. One means to increase the profit margin. Um, and that will be true even in a non-QM world. Uh, so the, the technology isn't coded. There's not hard coding there that is managing the compliance. The compliance is configuration. So even when we're talking about the underwriting and the automated underwriting, that's a matter of configuration. So it isn't that the product has to, from a code-based point of view, be modified. It's that we have to think about how we want to enable the rules differently, how we want to use our analyzers perhaps differently. So it's just using the same technology in a different way. The technology is already present and exists. It's just configured differently to manage the ebbs and flows of, of how we look at QM, non-QM, or any other products that we bring in into the marketplace. So the tools are there. It's like, how, how are you going to utilize those to fit the products that the lenders are going to want to tackle? Right. And what is it going to do to your workflow? You know, so you know, a non-QM workflow potentially is different than, you know, the, the manufacturing process that you'd have for your standard QM loans. So the technology is one aspect of it. And then thinking about how your operation might change with that type of a paradigm shift and then adjust the technology to accommodate. And I imagine all regs might be getting a lot more hits with, uh, with, yes. with yeah, all these loan products that I'm seeing. I, uh, I've seen some examples, and they're things that I didn't think I'd see for a long time. Um, what do you see lenders needing from both within an LOS to a system from a technology perspective and outside of an LOS from a technology perspective in the next three to five years? So mortgage industry needs in the next three to five years for manufacturing in or out of an LOS, right? Um, So I think that it's going to become, I think it's going to have two parts to it. I think the one answer that comes to mind immediately is that it needs to be an ecosystem that works well together. I think that's going to be key. So whether or not it's the LOS by itself or whether we're talking about surrounded supplement technologies for the manufacturing process or even, you know, downstream capital markets or servicing technologies, where those come together and they are able to transfer data and you know documents from trusted sources and validated documents going through the process. I think that's going to be key for helping in the next three to five years. Mm-hmm. And then with that, the data that is either you know within these systems or extracted from documents and, and, and then brought into the systems, using that data in a meaningful way on an analytics point of view and allowing that to inform the business and the automation I think that's where we're headed next three to five years. So to get there, the requirement is that we're able to, you know, take data from inception all the way to, you know, end of life of the loan and uh, harmonize it and normalize it and use it in meaningful ways uh, all across that process. So ICE Mortgage Talk Technology Takeover. 
<laughs> take over the world <laughs> so that's a good you know from from an uh outside and within inside the los kind of perspective um so you did kind of take i think this probably want to be one of your answers i was going to ask what would if you could change one thing about the mortgage industry what would it be it would definitely be <laughs> to normalize that that data pattern that's going through the system but the one thing i want to clarify is that it's not necessarily about ice mortgage you know, being the center of that, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, we want to participate in that, but there are other folks in the industry and, the, and other technologies available. And so it's not just about our own technology. It's about an open ecosystem that allows for technology to be used, whether it's ours or not, within our ecosystem, and that we're contributing positively to whatever downstream systems are being used. So it's a it's a partnership, really, of the technologies in the space to, to come together and to help the industry move forward with, uh, you know, data files that can move easily without friction and add value to the lenders, which ultimately adds values to the capital markets, which ultimately, where we're trying to get the value, is in the hands of the borrower. So, um Whenever I was at the conference, there was a really cool theme called the 1%. Like, let's do a 1% change and innovate. And I think we've seen a history of, you know, lenders can sometimes find it difficult to innovate and change. You know, when markets are great, we're trying to steady the storm. And when markets are shitty like we have today, I mean, I guess it's another storm. It's just a different one. <laughs> and so innovation is, seems to be uh, somewhat of a reactive nature sometimes, Um how do you see change um, going with lenders now? Is there a general sentiment towards adopting more change? Are people more resistant to change? What are you kind of seeing? I think we we behave in cycles, you know, in this industry and, and probably in many industries. And so the cycles that we're repeating now, I think we've learned from the previous, which is, you know, is very hopeful. Meaning that in previous cycles when we've had, you know, large surge, as you mentioned, everybody's, you know, not super worried about the technology except to facilitate, you know, more more because there's money falling out of their pockets with the, with the way the market is. And then now, you know, when the, the market's contracting, folks don't want to make that spend to, you know, get to the next state. However, I think we're in a different place right now. I think we are seeing lenders who want to understand how automation can continue to help them. And so they are willing to make the investment because they receive the return on the investment. Um, it's, it's more obvious than it has been in years gone by. We're a slow industry to adopt any kind of change. Right. So as technology has, you know, kind of permeated throughout the industry, I think the lenders are broadening their point of view about technology and are a little more open to the idea that it truly can solve problems and, you know, they spend the energy to adopt it. So do you have any strategies internally as a team that you kind of try to push or kind of, um, promote lenders kind of use as a way to drive innovation and accept some change. I know you mentioned that you were working with a lender to do like a, a small pilot and kind of a separate one-off branch and then try to get that thing to grow feet. Is that a common strategy or do you have any other ones internally that you use to try to promote innovation and change? I think there's a couple. Uh, that is definitely one. And in that scenario, the lender is choosing to create the perfect type of a, of a branch, you know, so if they had everything technologically set the way they'd like, what will that evolve out to the market? And will it be accepted by their other constituents within the organization? And that's that's great because you're making a minimal investment to market test it, you know, and, and see. And then you can also there's make nothing those better adjustments. Than, right. Getting somebody inside of your own organization to be a promoter is huge. Especially if it's the biggest naysayer. 
Right. I mean, that's what I like, right? Grab the person that is, you know, has the voice. (laughs) The squeaky wheel. Yeah, exactly. That squeaky wheel and and get them to be a fan of it. And then that just, you know, obviously makes it much easier when you try to roll out that that technology. But see, that's the key, though. It's the the people. It's, It's the hearts and minds of the people that have to be willing to adopt it. So if you do something small and you prove it out and you gain confidence of the people that will be the intended users of it, then you have such an easier transition. Um, and it, it just makes a big deal. There's a plenty of technology that lenders sign up for and then they never roll it out, right? Because it, it just fails. I've read scary ones about CRMs, like number of them that have been purchased and never implemented. And well, and the thing with CRMs too is it, it, it oftentimes is branch driven or le, you know loan officer driven as to who they want to use for a CRM. Right. So the, the culture of the lender also makes a big difference in how, how that technology is going to, you know, deploy. And I think, you know, Simon Sinek once said, people like to say people don't like change and it's people are okay with change as long as it's slow and steady, not massive abrupt change. And I think that's kind of what you're hitting on there. It is. And you have to see the, the return on that investment. So, you know, people like shiny things, right? And so it's the newest, it's the neatest, we should use this, it's going to do great things, and then it doesn't do the great things. And there's not a defined problem that it's solving, or there's not a defined opportunity that it's going to open up for the lenders. So, you know, being very aware of that and making sure that whatever you're taking on does one of those two things, either solves a problem or creates new opportunity, and that you have a way to measure that, and then bring that out to the the people mm-hmm. who will be using it and get their buy-in, buy-in's huge, and then show them slowly, iteratively, the value, and you will garner the support in the organization, and then you'll be able to you know, make technology the multiplier it should be. Right. It's really hard to come up with the iPhone for mortgage technology. I would love to have the iPhone for mortgage technology. Or, <laughs> you know, our, our, our wonderful and amazing Chris Giles is probably shaking his head and saying it's for Android. Um, <laughs> but... Um, I know that ICE is, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. You mentioned, you know, it'd be nice to be able to talk about having your technology in a perfect realm and being able to kind of go from there in a segregated approach. Um, now ICE is in a point where we have some web and we have some smart client. And obviously, some t- this is one of the disadvantages of being an early player because you have all those players that are going to be resistant to change and wanting to stay on the, the smart client. How do you see the next year or two going with your web? And do you see people moving full web yet? Or what do you, do you, what do you how many more years do you think that's till that starts happening? I think full web, and we have clients who are on full web when they want to build their own uh, UI. Basically, they're using our API suite and you know they're uh, building their own UI. From our point of view, depending on uh, the channel of business. So for all channels of business, I think it's a another year. Um, for us to oh, have so they're, they're, they're maybe taking a wholesale or broker or a retail approach, segregating smart client and web. Right. Got it. Right. That's right. And so, and so then they're further defining it. So for some lenders, they have like say the retail channel, they'll have the loan officers and the processors on the um, web version and they'll have underwriters on the smart client version. So they're kind of picking and choosing about what makes the most sense. The, the important thing for the lenders. And I think this makes a ton of sense is that they don't want to have, context change for any particular user. I just had a flashback of 
point in data track days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe yeah. not that bad, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the beauty of our system is that the backend's all one. Yeah, it's still all, so it's still it's all, all one, one data. Thing. So yeah, if just you how you're accessing it. Right. It's just the user interface that's different, but the, the database is all the same. The, all the same rules are firing. All of that is exactly right. the same, which helps with the transition. So that, that's So going nice. back to that other lender or somebody wanting to try and maybe play with some web, that is something they could do with a particular branch even. Sure they it's could. still the same da uh, data repository. That's right. Yeah, they well, certainly could. And so all the rules and everything, that just comes right over with it. Mm -hmm. can be a plus. It is a plus when you're t wanting, if you like the way your system is currently set up and, and it's making sense for you and you want to you know move forward with that, then it's a pretty straightforward transition over to the web version. A lot of folks, though, want to take the time to reevaluate their configuration. They've, you know, it's been years or so, and maybe they've been through two or three different administrators or what that, what have you. Or a lot of times they've maybe solved with a plugin for something that we're offering natively, mm -hmm. and they just have never made that move. So there's a lot of folks that want to take that opportunity to transition those things. Um, so that's a little bit of a longer pull. Right. for them to to get through that process. And so I think once a lender starts to transition, depending on which approach makes the most sense for them, it can be, you know, a, I'd say maybe a three, six-month journey to a year or a year-and-a-half right. journey to really go through all of those things, depending on the complexity that they've got, you know, configured right, right now. So have you had enough lenders yet try this where you would advise one or the other? Because... You know, sometimes it's nice to take a pig over here and just recreate the pig as it is. And then what you're saying is, let's take this pig, and if we're going to move over, we may as well try and make it a pretty little pony. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't know where you're getting pig and pony, but that's hilarious. <laughs> I don't know what I would have gone with. Like, I don't know what I would have gone with, but, <laughs> but pretty good. Um, I think that it's going to be a combination. It's going to definitely depend on where the lender is in their journey. When I talk to a lender, I don't want to just make one statement or the other. Mm -hmm. I want to know what are their pain points? You know, what are the business problems? It really that is going to be what's best for you. Right. It is because if your pain point is I've got a uh, extended duration, I'm, my, my average turn time is twice that of the industry on underwriting. Let's just mm -hmm. say, well, maybe that's the place where you should focus. All right. Well, let's look at the processes and the rules that you have there. If you don't have a problem on the closing side, why are we going to reinvent that? Right. So maybe now? half pony, half pig. <laughs> Got now, a visual there, I, and it's not, it's not going well for me. The visual's not going well. Maybe half pony and maybe yeah, half big, got right? it. Maybe yeah. focus on some pain areas while you're doing that transition. I, well, I think maybe, that's yeah. what you need to do, because otherwise, if you do the whole darn thing, it could take you longer than you're willing to, to right. wait, and then uh, it would be senseless to move over things that aren't working now right. into something new. And so, as you're moving to the web, there are probably better web improvements that might be something to take advantage of versus this is the same thing. Right. You can move it over the same thing. You could you can look at taking advantage of the automation. Not all the lenders have looked at task-based workflow and enhanced conditions and workflow automation. That's a great time to have mm -hmm. that conversation and have our you know, professional services group help out with what that can look like. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's oftentimes where people start. You, know, you can start with something small. You can automate it, whether or not your user is in the smart client or in the web version. And you can continue that iterative process. But you could, that's the 1%. I mean, you can really start small now and continue to build on that. You're gaining confidence from your internal teams who are administrating the systems. You're gaining confidence from the uh, intended users of the system. And you're giving yourself plenty of time to, 
choose to make changes to the plan and be fluid with it. So I want to end with, um, well, I have one more thing I'm going to end with uh, other than this one, but um, what would you probably say is the least utilized um, ICE offering or Encompass that you feel like has made big strides in the last year that is probably underutilized? You just mentioned a few just now. I know, but I got to tell you, e-close. E-close. That's going to be the, that's going to be the place where we've had huge, tremendous strides made in that space. And I wonder what caused that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that happened. I don't, I'm feeling sick though. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that's, that's a beautiful body of work that's you know ready for folks to adopt. And there's more than just a lender's decision to adopt. Again, hearts and minds challenge, right? The the closers and the the doc prep and you know, you, you have to get everybody engaged in that. The loan officers have to be educated about what it means and mm-hmm. and so I think that's a process lenders are going through uh, to get, to get to that state. So we're seeing I think a slower adoption than I would have expected on it. I anticipate that it'll hockey stick at some point, um, but I would encourage lenders to at least look at understanding the hybrid e close and make moves to to yeah, get to it- a place where you're ready for the full e close. Right, because there are a number of pieces to, you know, I, when I first started learning about e-clothes, it was like, oh, it just, oh, what's a vault? What's a rot? Well, you know, it right. starts getting more and more complex. Uh, do you guys kind of, you know, have a kind of a guide or step through process to get people to adopt? We do. It's pretty It's pretty straightforward from a technology point of view. So we have the vault, you know, we have our mm-hmm. own vault, so our customers don't need to worry about vaulting. When If they have a different vault, they can transfer out to their own vault. So vaulting is taken care of. Uh, Ron, we're in the process of building right now. The beauty of our e-close for our users is that it's the very same closing screen they've always been used to using. So it isn't a significantly different experience for them. It's all the same. And rather than, you know, email being the communication protocol between the settlement agents and, and all that, it's actually in system. So all that is pretty dialed in. It, it, it's not so much a training in terms of using the technology. It really is hearts and minds of wanting to adopt it. Where the pain point, I think, comes in from an adoption point of view in the perception of the loan officer is the the borrower's experience. You know, so there's a change there. I think borrowers are ready for it. As a matter of fact, um, I've closed on a couple of loans recently, and they were hybrid closings, and, and it was pretty straightforward, um, you know, going into the borrower portal, signing portion of the documents, and then had the e-notary came out to the house and, you know, had me sign the rest mm-hmm. of it. It was pretty straightforward, but, of course, I'm in the business. So, you know, that's, right. that's a different conversation than it is with the consumer who, who has not, you know, and, and maybe doesn't understand why part of this is happening here and part of this is happening somewhere else. And so I think the, the concern that loan officers have is, you know, why are we rocking my boat? Right. Why are we making this more challenging for the borrower? I think when they see borrowers experience it, though, they'll see firsthand that the borrowers adopt it pretty easily. Right. And word of mouth and the closing process is something I've always said is your biggest point of failure or happiness for the borrower. It's the last it's your point last for them. chance, yeah. right? Yeah. And they can have a great experience in that shitty closing. And then the whole process was crap. And if they had an okay experience, but that great closing, they're telling everybody how great it was. That's right. Um, you're only as good as your last at bat. Yeah, you, know, you are. <laughs> um, well, uh, this is just a funny question. How many of those uh, lenders were using Encompass? Did you see your, your doc engine on each of them or any of them? Uh, using Encompass for what? What are we talking about? For the docs that you were signing. Oh. As a con- You said you were oh, the one that oh, was... Oh, oh, oh. You mean in my particular process. Yeah. One was and one was not. Got it. Yep. One of ours and one of... Which was fun, right? I, actually, that was by design. Oh. <laughs> 
I experimented with myself. There you go. And went out and saw what was going on. So Joe know, said, go, go. Yeah. <laughs> Joe would never say that to me, <laughs> but I, I would say that to me. Awesome. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Both uh, lunch was great. I've had a fun time. This has been a great interview. Thank you for your time being here. Um, one final question, though. Okay. Tell us something that people, most people don't know about Stephanie Durflinger. Okay, I came up with one. I mean, you pre-warned me you were going to ask this, <laughs> and it caused me a little bit of pain. Um, but I think the one that I can say is I went through police academy when I was in my teens, like late teens. Really? I was going to be a police officer. That was what the, the gig was going to be. And then, uh, and then... So just a natural sidestep into... Yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> That's the obvious choice. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much.